Can you feel it? The instability, the disruption, the raging storm. If we don't feel it now, we have before, and we will again. So how do we weather the torrent of change in this life? And how do we navigate our own inner tempests? Can we learn to build our lives with wisdom and stability? And can we learn that no amount of success or consumption will be enough to ground our souls? We can and we will. When we follow the words of Jesus, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Good morning. It is so nice to be with all of you again today to see your beautiful faces in this place. And those of you whose beautiful faces I cannot see, but I know that they are beautiful on the other side of that wireless signal that is flying through the cosmos. I'm glad you're here today, too. It's good to I was about to say it was good to see you, but I can't see you. So that would have been a lie. I'm sorry. But I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that I'm here and we're here together today on this wonderful Sunday to worship as we have just done, to celebrate our faith and to celebrate our fellowship together. You know, I was reminded this morning of that beautiful passage that talks about the spiritual gifts and all the spiritual gifts that are possible. And in that passage, you know, I'd forgotten it that it mentioned fashion modeling as one of the spiritual gifts. And we, of course, saw it come to life in our church this morning with Ryan Dory. So thank you, Ryan, for sharing the spiritual gift of fashion modeling with us. Yeah, yeah, never had those words been used together. Ryan Dory slash fashion model. Going on your email signature tomorrow, I know. We have been in this, we started into this series called Solid. And we have this wonderful memory verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And go ahead and put it up and, and leave it there. Melody introduced this last week and shared it as part of this story in Matthew chapter 7. And we even sang a little song about it. She showed a little video. And I remember singing that song when I was a little kid about the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. I hope you sang out with great vigor and hand motions uh, when we were together last. My favorite part of that song was kind of near the end when it would say, talk about the foolish man, and the rains came down and the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went splat. And we would say it so loud, splat. And it was really what we looked forward to when that song started. We knew that moment was coming. We weren't very spiritual as kids. We just cared about the destruction, which, which is all right. There's grace for that. But that, that idea of really asking the question, where is your life built? What is it built on? And is it solid? Is your life built on a rock? Or is it built on sand? Because there's difficulty in life. And in the good moments, it doesn't really matter where you're hanging out. In the nice moments when everything's positive and everything's easy and everybody's smiling and we're all dancing and wearing comfy clothes and all that, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But when the rain comes 
when the problems and issues and difficulties of your life, they reveal what your house is built on. They reveal who you are. And so the choices that you are making today about where to build your life, you may be like, well, I don't need to think about that today. Well, we need to think about this today because it affects the life we have tomorrow. And if there are things in your life that over the past year and the difficulties of coronavirus and unrest and all those things, and you're like, man, I feel terrible all the time. This is horrible. Then for you and for me, we have to ask ourselves the question, where have I been building my house? Like, what have I been resting on so that when the rains came, was I stable? Now, memory verse. That is why this memory verse matters. That is why it's important. So let's read it together. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Did you say it? It was hard for me to hear you. Did they say it? Okay, good. All right. Then I won't make you do it again. So that was pretty good. And that's a great verse, and it's important for, for all of us to ask ourselves that question. Now, also, Melody, Pastor Melody shared last week this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, which, kind of, which expresses the same idea. But the Apostle Paul wrote these words, inspired by the Spirit. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Have you felt some fire on you in the past year or so? I have, yeah, you have. He said yes. I have felt fire myself in my life. Like, man, this is hot. This is hard. This is heavy. This is difficult. And it's revealed the foundation of our lives. Now, that's why this series is so well-timed for all of us. Because we're kind of, a lot of us, I think, through the most traumatic, difficult parts. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. There may be something going on right now that when we open up our social media apps as we walk out of here, we're like, ah, there's really a fire everywhere. I thought it was kind of over, but it's not. You know, that's the way it is right now. Minute to minute, hour to hour we're living. Plans that you have for lunch, they may all be canceled. I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just saying that's the way we are. That's where we are right now. And it's unsettling. Now, let's read in Ephesians chapter 2. I always get to do the Ephesians passages, and I love it so much. I feel like everything we need to say, you can say in Matthew 5, 6, or 7, or Ephesians chapter 2, 3, or 4. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, Consequently, it says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household. I like that idea. Did you realize that you have been invited to live in God's house every moment of your life? As a Christian, that's the invitation 
to live in God's house, to be members of his household. You are no longer far away. You are no longer alone. You are no longer by yourself. You have been invited to be a citizen, to be part of God's people, and also not just to be like named among his people, but to actually live in his house. That's pretty awesome. God has a pretty awesome house. Now, here's what it says next, though, about this house. It is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So imagine a house. If you don't know anything about houses, the first thing they do is kind of build the foundation, which is the thing that keeps it steady, and everything else is built on top of it. Now, if the foundation is no good, what happens to the house long term, right? Lucy, what happens? Splat! It will fall. But if the foundation is good and solid, then it is powerful. And that's what they're saying here. This is a foundation that is built on the apostles and the prophets, people who spoke with the voice of God, with the inspiration of his spirit. And then it says, with Jesus Christ, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There is every phrase of this is just amazingly exciting. Let's go back to, um, if you can put that phrase about Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone back on the screen. Now, this is an interesting phrase, cornerstone. I don't know if you know what a cornerstone is because we don't much really practically need cornerstones anymore because we have engineers that use computers and layouts and all these physics things to put together. Charlie's laughing at my physics things comment. Um, but we, we have all these maths and things that people use. He's laughing again um, because I don't know anything about maths. That's the way they say it in England, isn't it? They say maths. You don't know? Charlie doesn't know anything about England. He just knows about the maths. So what was I talking about? So they, we don't need the way that, the way they used to do it is with cornerstones. And here's what that means. It means when they would, they would kind of build a little foundation and then they would put in a big stone that they would call the cornerstone. It was the first stone they put in and that stone was, they would use that as like a guidepost, as a metric for every other thing they did in the house. They would keep referencing back to that cornerstone. And so when they were laying this brick, oh, back to that cornerstone. Let's reference it on that. And they would not only build the whole house around that, but it would also be sort of the weight-bearing stone of the house. So if you pulled the cornerstone out, the whole house would fall apart. Because that was the guide, the reference, and it was holding the weight of the whole house. That's why it was a big, strong stone. Now, what this verse is saying is that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the house of God that we are all invited to live in. He is not only the first great, powerful, strong stone, but he is the reference point by which in our life when we're like, uh i got to lay another stone here in my life. Where do I put it? 
How do I put it? What angle should I put it at? So often I'm sitting there in my confusion saying, how do I do this? And what this verse is saying is when you're confused, look over at the cornerstone. Look over at Jesus and say, you know what? I'm not exactly sure, but the cornerstone knows what it's doing. I think I'll lay according to that. I think I'll make choices. I think I'll build my life around that because that is the strength on which this house is built. But we're also talking about what goes underneath that, which is the foundation, which is the foundation. Because today we're talking about the cornerstone and the foundation on which our lives are built and asking ourselves that question. Are we living? Are we built on a firm, solid foundation of our lives? And what would it look like if we were? You know, when we talk about this issue of solid and solidness in life, if you were to pull out your phone and use the internet and figure out how can I have a solid life? I mean, just get on Facebook and ask everybody. You know, just put up a post that say, I would like to have a more solid life. What is your advice? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I don't even know how to tell you what you would get. It would be insane. Ranging from, you know, all the crazy things that everyone else would tell you with their genius advice about, well, if you do this exercise routine and you do it every day, and after you do it, you take six deep breaths, you will be solid. Now, don't take eight. Don't take five. Take six because that's the magic formula for feeling solid and safe in your life. Now, they might also say, well, if you want to feel solid and safe in your life, you should wear like three masks, maybe six masks, maybe eight. Maybe you should just be a rolling ball of masks. That's what you should do. And if you do that, you will be solid and safe. You will feel great. And also take these supplements and these pills and put these oils on your forehead and take these medicines. You might also want to take an aspirin because aspirin will help if you were to have a heart attack today. And if you have a heart attack today and you haven't taken some aspirin, you may regret it because it will help if you have a heart attack. It won't be as bad. And you're saying, I'm not going to have a heart attack today. Why are you posting this in my comments on Facebook? But this is the kind of stuff you'll get. They'll tell you about books you should read. They'll tell you about places you should go. You should go on a Zen meditation retreat to Tibet. If you did that, oh, you would feel solid after that. You would feel stable and secure. The list goes on and on. You can imagine it already. You don't even have to put the post on Facebook. You know what they would throw at you. But that's not what this passage in Ephesians is saying. In fact, what's so interesting about this passage is that pretty much everything you would probably get in your comments on Facebook would be people telling you what you need to do. If you will just do this. If you will just follow this list of five things, and if you did everything in the comments, not only would it probably not be affected, you'd be so exhausted, you would not feel safer or solid at all. You'd probably just be mad. And you'd have a right to be mad. I'll be mad with you. Because all of that stuff that everybody posts is about what you would be doing, what you would accomplish. 
the strategies and tactics and insights you need to change your life so that you will feel solid and safe inside. And yet so many stories and powerful images and messages in the Bible kind of say the opposite of that. In fact, one of the amazing stories in the Bible is about Daniel. What do we know about Daniel? When I say the word Daniel and in the Bible, there's an animal that's popping into your mind, which is why, have you ever noticed that kids love stories in the Bible that are about animals? Animals, short people, small people, things like that, children. These are the stories the kids love. But this one has an animal in it. What animal is it? Stella, do you know? A lion. Daniel, when you think of Daniel, you think of a lion. Why? Why, why? What was I got to do? Did he have a pet lion? No, he did not have a pet lion. What is it, Eli? What did he, what, why? They threw him into a lion's den. Now, I don't have, you know, that's a weird word. Like, I don't know of any lion's dens today. Have you ever seen a lion's den? I, I don't know. Do they have one at Lowry Park Zoo? Yeah, so they could just throw him into a, wherever there's a bunch of lions hanging out, I guess that's a den of lions. So now let's, let's be clear about this story, though, and how it happened. So Daniel is a Jewish guy, and the Jewish people had been taken into captivity by an empire of people who had conquered them. It was the Babylonian Empire. And they had taken the Jewish people from their home and brought them into captivity in the country of Babylon. Well, the king, at the influence of some others, had the bright idea of declaring a law that said no one can worship any god or honor any god except me, the king. Now, let me give you a kind of a head start and a spoiler alert. That never works out well for anybody both in the past or today. Anybody that sets them up as themselves as a king ahead of God, it never works out well for them. The story ends badly. And this one is an interesting one because there was a guy named Daniel who was a Jewish man who had spent his whole life practicing his faith and he would not change his beliefs. He was so solid in his faith and his trust in God that he would not change. Now, let me also say this. This is an ancient story. And you may be saying to yourself, well, you know, it's a good thing nothing happens like that today in our modern world. But it does. It does. In fact, right now in different places in the world, there are people being persecuted and executed because of their faith. Because of their faith. I hope that never happens here, in this country, in this state. But it could. But it could. What would you do if that happened? Where would you put your faith and your trust? Well, Daniel made a decision that his trust was in God. And despite what these crazy consequences were, that he was going to be thrown in a den of lions, he still moved forward. And when they found out that he was still worshiping God and following the law of God, they threw him in a pit of lions for a whole night. And they like closed it off and he was stuck in there. Now, I've tried to imagine, we don't in this text, I'm going to read a few verses from the book of Daniel in a second. 
I've tried to imagine what it would have been like to be Daniel. Like, what was it like the first five seconds for him when they put him in that den and closed the door? And he was standing there looking at these lions and not really knowing what was going to happen next. How would you have handled that situation? How would your heart have felt? Like how fast would your heart have been beating? How nervous would you have been? How anxious would you have been? Or would you have been able to say, I give this to God. God's got this. That would be a pretty tall order, wouldn't it? To be able to do that and live in that mental place. And yet somehow, Daniel made it through the whole night. Through the power and grace of God, he lived through that whole night. And here's, here's what happened. In Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth, the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. No wound was founded, found on him because he had trusted in God. Now, I don't know if there will be an occasion in your life where you will encounter some lions or some tigers or some bears. Oh my. In your life. But you, you might. That, that might happen. It's more likely that what you will encounter is difficulty and stress Issues with your parents, issues with your friends, with your marriage, with your schoolwork, with your brothers and sisters, that you will go through difficulties. Maybe you'll have problems with your health, with how you feel in your body. Maybe you'll have stress with money. Maybe you will feel lonely. Maybe you will feel lost. Maybe you will feel confused. And so while you may never sit in a room and stare a real-life lion in the face, when you look at the story of your life, you may have felt in moments like you were. You might be feeling that way right now. Like you're in a room surrounded by lions and you're not exactly sure what to do about it. I grew up here in Florida and I grew up, a lot of time in pools 
You know, when you're a kid in Florida, you spend a lot of time swimming in pools. And one of the activities, particularly when I was with my sister or other people that we would do, had to do with all kinds of different activities. There were all kinds of different ones, but they all seemed to kind of come back to how long could you hold your breath? How long could you hold your breath? Like, we don't do that anywhere else, right? Like, you don't on the, on the baseball field when you're bored be like, let's see how long we can hold our breath. You don't do that. But maybe you do. I don't know. But I never did. But when you're in a pool, that seems to be like the core of all the games. So it's like, let's see how many laps we can swim back and forth in the pool without taking a breath. Or let's just go underwater and I'll count and see how long you can hold your breath. If you're real creative and cool, you could be like, how long can we sit on the bottom of the pool? Like, have you ever done that where you get like to the bottom of the pool and you crisscross your, I can't do it. You crisscross your legs and you see how long you can sit down there. That's actually pretty hard because you have to exhale before you go down. You can't go, if you do that, you won't go down to the bottom. So you have to let out all the air out of your lungs so that you can sit on the bottom of the pool. And how long can you sit there? Or who can sit there the longest? Who can sit on the bottom of the pool? I bet I can sit on the bottom of the pool longer than you can sit on the bottom of the pool before you get up. And you know how you feel when you're at the end of that cycle. You know, when at first you're like, oh, this is great. I'm doing really good. And then all of a sudden, the tension is like building up and the pain is building up. And something at some point inside your body says, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is over. This is terrible. I'm finished. I will not be able to get through this. I have to have air. And you go up, you go up to the surface immediately <gasps> because you know if you don't, it's over. You're finished, right? Have you had that feeling before? Have you, have you ever been through that before when you were trying to hold your breath? And then if you're the one that lost the competition, you're looking at your brother or your friend or your sister sitting in the bottom of the pool. It's like, how are they still alive? How are they continuing? A few years ago, I was uh, sitting in a community group and someone who's a drug addict was talking, who was a recovering drug addict was talking. And he compared his journey to try to move forward to break that cycle of drug addiction in his life to sitting at the bottom of a pool. Because what he said was, it was like in my life, I was sitting at the bottom of a pool and every time I tried to stop taking this drug, something in my body was screaming as if I was about to die. You need this. You have to have this. If you don't have it, you will die. It's over. He said what was so difficult for me to reconcile was the people around me saying, no, no, that's not true. You can sit at the bottom of the pool forever and you will not die. You will not die. But he said everything in my body was screaming out in my body, my mind, my heart, my emotions. Everything in me was saying, no, I will. I will die. I must have this as if it was oxygen that he needed to breathe. But one day he said, I can't feel it. I am filled with fear and doubt, but I'm going to choose to believe, to trust 
that I could sit on the bottom of the pool without that drug forever, and I would not die. I would not die. There are things in all of our lives that oftentimes without realizing it, we form attachments to, and we think, if I cannot have this, if this does not go my way, whether it's financial stability, or it's a relationship, or it's something about your health, or it's something in your family, or it's something in the world around you, it's something with your kids, something with your wife or husband, something with your parents, something in your church community. And you say, if this doesn't go like this, if I can't have this, I'm going to die. It's over. It's over. But here is what Jesus is saying to you today. I am a cornerstone. I am a firm foundation. And although it may feel terrible to you right now, through my strength, you could sit at the bottom of the pool all day and I will supply the oxygen in your lungs. I will give you what you need. Build your life on me. And even in those moments when you feel like you need something so bad and you must go to the surface to get the air, maybe God will instead provide. And maybe that sense of solidness that you're longing for, the more you strive and fight for it on your own, the more you're like a person that just keeps going from sitting at the bottom to being like, I'm going to die. I got to go up and get some breath. <gasps> okay, I think I got some breath. I can go back down again. And you will live in that cycle forever until it exhausts you to the point where you will not be able to survive and you will become bitter and angry and frustrated. But what if you could be like Daniel and sit in that lion's den and say, you know what? I could sit here with these lions forever. We're buddies. We could sit here all day. This thing that I'm afraid is going to kill me, it's not going to kill me because I'm in a solid place. Now, sometimes when we talk about Christianity and we talk about our faith, people talk about it like if you don't do these things, God's going to be mad at you. You're going to be in big trouble today or tomorrow. And that becomes sort of the essence of our faith. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to follow the rules to keep myself out of trouble. But the deeper level is that what God wants for you is to live safe in the arms of Jesus. To live safe in the arms of Jesus. But what that requires is for you to trust, for me to trust, for all of us to trust, we could actually let go. That we can trust our lives to him. That we can trust our children to him. That we can trust our families, this world, our community, our money, our jobs, all of it. We can trust it to him. That he is trustworthy 
And there, in that place, we can find rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Now, that doesn't mean that what he's going to do is build an elaborate snorkel system for you. So that, yeah, you could sit at the bottom of the pool forever because you, through your contrivance and a little help from Charlie's engineering, you could build this snorkel system to live forever. No, no. This story of Daniel, this is crazy. This is like fairy tale stuff here. This is like the stuff you hear in fairy tales. Why should your life be any different? Why should your life be any different? Not necessarily in your fighting of lions and giants named Goliath and fiery furnaces and whatever else you can look at the Bible and think about. But what if what God is drawing you into is the kind of fairy tale that you can feel secure, solid, and safe? Not because you've got it all figured out. Not because everything is right. And you can put hashtag blessed at the end of every single one of your life status updates. But because you know that even when in your gut and your spirit everything is crying out up in pain and agony, you can trust that you are safe. Safe in the arms of Jesus. But to live in that space requires you to make a choice in this moment and every moment to come to surrender. To let your faith become action that becomes perspective, that becomes the essence of where you and your heart and your mind live every day and trust God is holding the world. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he has you, too. Everything that matters is safe. Everything that matters is safe. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Can you give everything that matters in your life to Jesus and let him hold you safe in his arms today. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for loving us, for entrusting us with good and beautiful and wonderful things in our lives. Thank you for giving us hope that you are with us, that we can rest that there will be solace and that we don't have to live in the fear and anxiety of all of the troubles that so often we feel surrounded by. We long, we want to build our lives on your foundation. We want to look to you as the cornerstone that we build our lives and our families on. And we ask you for, to help build our faith, to help us know you better, to trust you more, 
Help us to be willing to take leaps out into the unknown and give us the courage and boldness we need to look to you for the answers to all of our questions and even to sit in the unanswered questions knowing that we don't even need to know that you know and that's enough. And we are grateful that that is the kind of father and God that you are, that you have so much love and care and compassion, that your arms and your heart are so open to us in every moment. And in this moment, we surrender. We surrender to you. We put our trust in you. And we are grateful to be your children. And we pray for that kind of vision and insight and perspective and trust for all of us in this community and for those around the world who are hurting and feeling alone today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.